Section twelve of From the Easy Chair, Volume One. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Betty B. From the Easy Chair, Volume One by George William Curtis. Section twelve. Rip Van Winkle. Going the other evening to see Rip Van Winkle the old question of its moral naturally came up and portia warmly asserted that it was shameful to bring young children to see a play in which the exquisite skill of jefferson threw a glamour upon the sorriest vice see she said the earnest tearful interest with which these boys and girls near us hang upon the story the charm to them of the scene and of the acting is indescribable do you suppose they can escape the effect all their sympathy is kindled for the good-natured and good-for-nothing reprobate and when gretchen turns him out into the night and the storm they cannot help feeling that it is she not he who has ruined the home and that the drunken vagabond who has just made his endearments the cover of deception is really the victim of a virago and when he returns old and decrepit and we might hope purged of that fatal appetite which has worked all the woe it is his old victim the woman whose youth his evil habits ruined and who in consequence of those habits was driven into the power of the tormentor derrick von beekman who hands him the cup that shall be death in tasting as if it were she and not he who had been properly chastened and converted from the fatal error of supposing that drunkenness is not a good thing no no said portia indignantly and eloquently raising her voice to that degree that the easy-chair feared to hear the appalling sh sh of the disturbed neighbors it is a grossly immoral spectacle and the subtler and more fascinating the genius of mr jefferson in the representation the more deadly is the effect the drop had just fallen and the scene on the mountains was about to open the house had been darkened and as the clear quiet unforced tone of rip yielding not remonstrating to the doom that we all knew and he did not fell upon the hushed audience the eyes of men and women were full of tears while the orchestra murmured mezzo voce during the storm within and without the house the tenderly pathetic melody of the lorelei i know not what it presages this heart with sadness fraught tis a tale of the olden ages that will not from my thought it was not easy to find in the emotion of that moment a response to portia's accusation of gross immorality there was but a poetic figure in the mind the sweet-natured weak-willed simple-hearted vagabond of the village and the mountain touching the heart with pity and in the drunken scene with sorrow this figure excludes all the rest its symmetry and charm are the triumph of the play as acted now the immorality cannot lie in the kindly feeling for the tippling vagabond for that is natural and universal indeed the same kind of weakness that leads to a habit of tippling belongs often to the most charming and attractive natures and the representation of the fact upon the stage is not in itself immoral the immorality must be found if anywhere as portia insisted in the charm with which vice is invested but is it so invested in this play it used to be urged against bulwer's early novels that they made scoundrels fascinating 
and that boys after reading them would prefer rascals to honest men if that had been the fact the novels would have been justly open to that censure but tried by this standard rip van winkle as mr jefferson plays it is far from an immoral play the picture as he paints it is moral in the same sense that nature is moral no man shiftless idle and drunken afraid to go home ashamed before his children without self-respect or the regard of others however gentle and sweet and however much a favorite with the boys and girls and animals he may be is a man whose courses those boys will wish to imitate or who will make vice more tasteful to them the pathos of the second part of the play in which the change of age mingled with mystery is marvelously portrayed is largely due to the consciousness that this melancholy end is all due to that woeful beginning the expulsion of derrick and his nephew is nothing the happiness of meanie and her lover is nothing the release of gretchen is nothing there is only a wasted old man without companions the long prime of whose life has been lost in unconsciousness and who suddenly awaking looks at us pitifully from the edge of the grave by the most prosaic standards this should not seem to adorn vice with attraction it is true that the spectator is more interested in rip than in his wife and that she is made of virago but it is not his drunkenness that charms and her virtue is at least severe indeed if this performance is to be tried by this standard the play must be regarded as a temperance mission for temperance is to be inculcated upon the youthful spectators who sit near us not so much by stories and pictures of the furious brute who drives wife and children from a home made desolate by him and who fly from him as from a demon as by the simple faithful showing of the kind-hearted loiterer who makes wretched a wife who yet loves him and who denounces himself to the child that he loves this is the fair view of it as a picture of ordinary human life but as we look the low wail of the sad music is in our ears the scene changes to a weird world of fairy the story merges in a dream and rip van winkle smiles at us from a realm beyond the diocese of conscience if conscience indeed will obtrude conscience shall be satisfied it is a sermon if you will but if you will also it is a poem end of section twelve